Welcome to the NBA Trades Podcast. I'm your host, Raphael, and today I have a special guest to talk some NBA trades for the trade deadline coming up in a month. It comes on February 7th, and we're like early January. I have my bro, Anthony Canton, AC Spotlight 95. Anthony, how are you doing? Back on the NBA Trades Podcast. It's so, so, so fun to be back. Uh, let's talk some trades. Yeah, it's been a while, so there are a lot of things happening in the league. I think we could say that it's a sort of quiet um, time entering the trade talks, trade deadline talks, especially because there have been some big trades that have happened this year, obviously. Jimmy Butler going from Minnesota to Philadelphia in a very big-time deal involving Dario Saric and Robert Covington. Then we also had some you know, some small trades like Alec Burks going from Utah to Cleveland for Kyle Korver. Um, and was there anything else? I think that, I mean, those are probably like the two bigger trades of the... We had the small year. cash deal with Houston and Chicago. Michael Carter-Williams, uh, Michael Carter-Williams just happened this week, yeah. Um, in the cutoff date uh, situation of teams cutting their uh, contracts that would have been guaranteed at this point of the NBA season. Um, so there's been, there hasn't been a lot of trade talks. I mean, right now we're hearing uh, from Woj, Woj reporting that the Kings and Knicks were discussing an Ennis Canner trade. Uh, with Zach Randolph possibly involved. Um, not necessarily an appetizing trade for two teams who are trying to save cap space. The Knicks obviously going after Kevin Durant in free agency, most likely, and other players. And so Zach Randolph has an expiring contract, and his Kanner has an expiring contract. Not really the most appetizing deal, but it's still a trade, right? And... Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens going into it, even though a few teams have made trades to improve themselves going into the stretch run of the season. The Memphis Grizzlies acquired Justin Holiday from Chicago um, last week. So that that was a move made for Memphis, who has sort of fallen off of their you know good start of the season, trying to make the playoffs again. And so they acquire a wing, give up two draft picks. Uh, they gave up Marshawn Brooks and Wayne Selden. Uh, the the wrong Brooks or the right Brooks, depending on how you feel. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like, Phoenix and Washington making that trade. Trevor Ariza, the Wizards, trying to make a push for the playoffs again uh, last month where that whole uh, Brooks thing originated. Um, Kelly Oubre, Austin Rivers going to Phoenix. The Suns waved Austin Rivers. He signed with Houston, uh, where he's playing well right now. So there's and also George Hill, George Hill going from the Cavaliers to the Bucks in a three-team deal that saw Sam Decker go from Cleveland to Washington, Matthew Dellavedova, John Henson, and a first rounder and a second rounder going from Milwaukee to Cleveland, and Jason Smith going from Washington to Milwaukee. So it, it's real it, farm burners. Yeah, so I'm really so a lot of trades, but not a lot of big trades. We've really only had one big trade, and it seems like going into this upcoming uh, trade deadline, there aren't a lot of big deals. Uh, no superstars on the move. The only real superstar that people are talking about is Anthony Davis, who's going through his own situation, but he's likely not to be moved because he hasn't expressed any interest in trying to change his situation and even though there is the looming talks of when they offer him his supermax contract extension in the summer of 2019 
what will he do? Will he tell them, I do not plan on resigning with you, and that forces or spins the wheels of uh, the Pelicans deciding to trade him, but right now they're just trying to compete and make a playoff push. They're probably going to be buyers on this market because they want to try and improve their team so that they can get into the playoffs and possibly make Andy Davis a happy, happy player. Uh, very unlikely. But <laughs> regardless of whatever whatever move they do. Um, and I think that's, you know, like there are a few teams that are buying um, because it's still a very competitive uh, Western Conference playoff race where there are probably, you say, 14 teams out of the 15 teams still really competing for a playoff spot. All have a, a really big shot at it. The East is sort of wide open past the, the top five. Uh, six, seven, and eight are, generally speaking, available. And though there aren't many as many good teams in the East competing for a playoff spot, they're still available. So if you want to be competitive, we can see some of these teams <laughs> making trades. So the point of this podcast episode, which we've done actually the past two years, um, mm-hmm. is to talk ahead of the NBA trade deadline and give our own takes on what trades we want to see happen this year and see if anything like anything that we predict really will happen. Like last year, I predicted DeAndre Jordan was going to get traded. That did not happen. Um, from the Clippers to the Wizards for March and Gortat, even though Gortat would end up going to the Clippers in the summer. Uh, other trades we've sort of done uh, two years ago, uh, the big talk was with the Hawks trade Paul Millsap, which they never did. He ended up signing with the Denver Nuggets that summer. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins was another one we talked about. And uh, some of the trades we proposed never happened, even though he ended up going to New Orleans, which was sort of unexpected. Um, yeah. So, so those are some of the things that have happened. Chris Middleton, CJ McCollum, we talked about one time. Um, so it, it definitely it, it ranges around a lot of different things, but um, usually it's just fun banter about sort of where teams are at, uh, what players should be moved, what teams need right now if they're trying to be competitive in the playoffs or trying to make that push to get into the playoffs or trying to win a championship. So um, let's get into it. I guess we'll start. Uh, we each have three trades, and we'll just go back and forth on what we want to see happen and what we expect to happen. Some of it probably is a little outlandish, um, mm-hmm. but it's fun. It's just an all fun. Um, okay, so uh, I guess I'll I'll go first. Um, if you want, by all means, it's your podcast. Oh, really? Thank you so much. You're so nice. Um <laughs> Lakers, Pelicans. So we'll start with Anthony Davis. Even though he's not likely to go away uh, and be traded for the Pelicans in this uh, during this current season, um, I figure why not? Why not? The, the Lakers have spent so much time saying, mm-hmm. oh, we don't need to sign you, Paul George. I mean, we don't need to trade for you, Paul George. We'll get you in free agency. We don't need to get you Kawhi. We'll, we don't need to trade for you. We'll just sign you in free agency. And we already see with Paul George that he has chosen to stay permanently in OKC, or at least for the time being right now in his career, with the OKC Thunder. So he never ended up going to the Lakers. Kawhi Leonard, they never traded for him. He got traded to the Raptors. While it's still a question of whether he will stay with the Raptors, it seems like the teams that are keying in on him, none of them are the Lakers. And... It makes you wonder, with Andy Davis, maybe they should actually try and trade for him before he he enters free agency and gets a chance to ingratiate himself with another team like the Boston Celtics or or whoever he goes to if he were to get traded. The Lakers should pounce on this opportunity while they get a chance, either this summer 
or you know never you never know in the offseason um so i propose this trade the pelicans trade anthony davis jalil okafor tim frazier kenrick williams and frank jackson to the lakers for rajan rondo lonzo ball Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Ivica Zubats, and two first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. And one of them is lottery protected. Uh, the first one, the one that comes in, uh, the the one that they have uh, for this coming draft. So, what do you think about that? Um, I think that is that's a start. <laughs> that's a start. If you want to get Anthony Davis, man, like, I, I, if, all right, I'll take this from the Pelicans' perspective. I don't want to trade for any of these Lakers dudes, to be honest. I really don't. Mm-hmm. He may want to go there. That may be the trade that ends up happening because, you know, some something along those lines with what the Lakers have. But I've watched this team enough without LeBron. And I've watched this team enough with LeBron to see that, man, these dudes are just a lot of, eh, he's all right. If you really think about it, Brandon Ingram is, okay, he, he's all right. Lonzo Ball so far, um, yeah, he's okay. Um, Kuzma is the one guy that I'd be like, okay, I want to keep him because there's, there's an offensive capability. Also, he kind of showed that again last night against the Pistons. Um, he's just a – there's one thing in, uh, that he does really, really well in that scoring, and he's just really, really good at that. And he can score from anywhere on the floor. And I think that's a skill that you can't take for granted. I think that's one that's important. Actually, if if, if I were the Lakers and I had my brothers, he would be the one that I would try to keep out of all of those guys. But I think in an Anthony Davis trade, you would have to trade all of these guys. But I tell you, man, like, these other dudes, I'm just not... If I'm the Pelicans, I'm looking like that and, like, can we call Boston, please? And and uh, talk about Tatum or Brown or something like that? Because I could tell you, like, from just from, like, an upside standpoint, uh, besides Kuzma, Tatum and Brown by far, are much better bets on having a higher upside than any of those guys that the Lakers trade. And that's why if I'm the Pelicans, I would not make a trade with the Lakers. I would not. I would not. They may be forced to. Not saying that that's... Not saying that that might not happen. That could happen. It really could. But if I had a choice, if I, if I had my druthers, if I had the ability to get the actual best package I could get for Anthony Davis, knowing that I have to trade him... And Pelicans, please know that you will probably have to trade him. He's not staying there. I call Boston, and I'm like, listen, let's work this out somehow. But it starts with Tatum and or Brown, and then we can talk about draft picks and whatever other ancillary players you want to add. But that that Lakers trade, it's just not it. It's not it, like, overall. And I know that you're not going to get the – we talk about this all the time. We're not good. You're not going to get the, the the same value back that you get for a guy like Anthony Davis. But I just look at that Laker trade and I say to myself, I can't do that one. You know, that's how that's how I personally feel. 
So like what goes into your what goes into what you're thinking as far as as that trade? Do you feel like it's destined that Anthony Davis ends up on Los Angeles? Well, I think they have the first crack at him because of the Celtics, I think, with their designated player. Oh, the Kyrie Irving situation? Yeah. Yeah, the designated player extension. Uh, they have to wait. So the Lakers have the first crack at it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're choosing, yeah, you probably take the Boston choice. But it really depends on if Boston's really willing to offer both uh, Tatum and Brown. I feel like if they're only willing to offer one of them, would you take one of them over the collection that the Lakers have? If the Lakers were willing to give up three, like, say, Lonzo, Kuzma, and Ingram, like I proposed in my uh, fake trade, uh, would you be willing to accept... Would you want Tatum rather than the three of them? Do you think he's for Tatum? More? For Tatum, yes. For Brown, probably not. I'll take the three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I probably would center on something like that. Even though I mean Tatum's been up and down this year. Um, you know, it, we'll see what happens uh, with his career. I think that's the hard part with that is that these guys are all young and we don't really know what they'll be. I mean, Kuzma looks like he's a legit scorer. Uh, Ingram is sometimes has his moments of brilliance, and then uh, it seems like he's a tough fit playing with LeBron and just sort of mm-hmm. his his um, his lack of shooting threes and just the way he plays. It seems like a very awkward fit. But with the Pelicans, it would give him a chance to maybe be the centerpiece and and handle the ball a lot more. Alonzo has his moments as a point guard. He does has a lot of. Big hustle plays. He's a good rebounder and passer, and a really solid defender. But his shooting is still leaves a lot to be desired, and you wonder how he'll survive in today's current NBA. Uh, shooting the way he does, maybe 10, 15 years ago, would be, would have been the best time for him as a player to come in and be a starting point guard, just because. You know, the Jamal Tinsley's, the Rajon Rondos, those guys could be starters even though they were limited shooters but their abilities to distribute matter more than uh, their lack of a three-point shot or a consistent three-point shot and I feel like in today's NBA it's just too hard to be like a limited shooter who can't shoot off the dribble really he's a spot-up three-point shooter is the best and I think he shoots like 33 34 percent on spot-up threes and that's like passable but like to really unlock uh, a really good offense. Uh, you can't have a limitation like that, unless he's playing really up tempo basketball. I feel like Lonzo could be a more interesting player, um, but I don't know. It's just tough. There, he has his moments where he's making shots, but then there are just games where it seems like he doesn't even exist and he disappears. So I don't know. But like what you're saying, maybe it would be the best case for the Celt- for the Pelicans to wait for the Celtics to free up their designated player extension um, and go after Anthony Davis and uh, and wait and hold off on that Lakers deal. But, um, you know, I think also the interesting thing is the comp- the pick compensation. Like, would the Lakers be willing to offer two first-round picks like I am? Um, I mean, the Lakers own all their first-round picks. Uh, the Celtics have multiple picks as well. They never really trade any of their first-round picks either. So, but Danny Ainge has always sort of been someone who's not willing to trade a bunch of picks, unless like that year where he offered four picks for Frank Kaminsky, or not Frank, the pick that the Hornets ended up using yeah. on Frank Kaminsky. Um, so we'll see. 
I don't know. But it should be fun. Like, I really do think that Andy Davis is probably going to leave. I mean, just yeah. realistically, all the things he Writing said. Writing on the wall. All the things he said about winning and building a legacy, there is no way. And I mean no way that he's going to do that in New <laughs> Orleans with, that, with the current construction of that team. They've had enough time, and the team is not good enough to uh, to make him want to stay. I mean, it's hard to build a case with that roster. Um, okay, so I guess we'll move on to your trade. What's your next... Uh, what's your uh, big move that you're thinking of? Big move. Big move number one. All right, so the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, they are looking for a star of some kind. Um, obviously, I don't think... I don't think personally that Anthony Davis is going to end up there just due to... The just due to what I kind of mentioned earlier, um, as far as like the type of talent that they have, and if I'm New Orleans and if I were smart, I would not, I would not make that trade. But if the the Lakers do need to do need to make an upgrade, I don't think this team is good enough. They may wait till the free agency and see if if things work out in the off season. I don't know. I wouldn't. I would try and get somebody right now. Now, you say, who out there would I get? And then I'm looking straight at the Washington Wizards. And I think one of the things with the Washington Wizards are, yes, they are in the playoff race, even without John Wall, even with their eight-game under 500 record currently. But if they were smart, and let's just say if they were a smart organization, which they have shown to not really be, if they were smart, this now would with the John Wall injury, they should be they should tank. This is this is the perfect opportunity to tank, um, to get yourselves into the bottom five. They're not that far in terms of losses. They're already at twenty five losses, so I feel like they could get to the bottom relatively quickly if they wanted to, but they would have to start immediately. So if they were to make a trade, I'd say, all right, it's time to trade trade Bradley Beal. And I'm thinking of, hmm, this season, if the Lakers want to compete in the Western Conference, knowing that they're probably not going to get an Anthony Davis, that they're not going to get a Kawhi Leonard until a, a free agency, if, if, if that was even possible. I'd say Bradley Beal is like the perfect fit to put with LeBron, um, somebody who can play off the ball. Somebody who could also play with the ball when he has the ball and, and take that pressure off of LeBron. Very good playmaker this year. He's shown that without John Wall. Um, all the percentages and um, all the abilities. And he's under control for another three years. Well, so, Bra- yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The, no, well, what you call it? Make your point before I make the trade. I, I want to hear this. Oh, well, Bradley Beal, I mean, like, you know, he's great. And I think that's been the interesting thing. It feels like every team... I saw someone say this on Twitter. It feels like every team wants Bradley Beal. Like, they feel like they could just get him. And uh, he's going to... Like I feel like teams should be more aggressive in terms of trying to make calls. Because I think if there's any time to try and attempt to get him, I feel like this is it while the Wizards are in the state that they're in. Even though they may just think, like, oh, let's just make the playoffs because we want to compete and for that extra gate. Which those are things that we never really take into account, but those are our factors. But if the Los Angeles Lakers are gonna make a make a trade, I would be offering Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, 
um, get LeBron to have a little chat with him on the side and wave his uh, no trade. And uh, and then add a add a lottery protect pick, uh, yeah, a little chat on the side, and have a and have a, a throw in the lottery protected pick for Bradley Beal, the three for one trade. Bradley Beal goes to the Lakers, and you still have Kuzma there. That's your big three for the rest of the season, and they go into the playoffs. Um, really difficult to guard in a lot of ways. And it kind of it kind of adds that adds three point shooting and adds that that extra score that the Lakers probably would prefer. So that is my trade, and I think and I think that's where you start, and then we'll see what happens in free agency. Um, what the Lakers decide to do going forward from there, but I feel like it's much more likely that the Lakers end up with nothing if they wait as opposed to strike while the iron is hot now and get somebody in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the trade. I think that for the Lakers, I mean, it's, a win, it's obviously a big win for them just because they need to be able to uh, finally get that other star with LeBron. I mean, whoever. Um but and but and for the Wizards, I mean, like you know, like what what's going to be the future of this team? I mean, you know, it it will be a different look, and I don't know. It'll be interesting, especially with John Wall out. We don't know what his future is going to be like out of border to his contract. Will they be able to trade him to? Obviously, Bradley Beal's the bigger or the most attractive trade ship they have on their team because of, like you said, the uh, team control, the contract. And also his age. He's a very relatively young age still, and, and he's sort of entering his prime as a player. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting. Yeah, and also I should say for the Wizards, you mentioned those other points. From the Wizards' perspective, yeah, you if you start with Beal, you continue. You try and unload Otto Porter. That contract is an albatross. You, knowing that John Ball most likely you're not going to be able to trade, at least in the immediate future, um, I think you have to begin to kind of reset. And then as time goes along, then maybe in the next year or two, John Wall maybe plays his trade value up again if he, you know, presuming that he gets healthy. And of course, this is a lot of projection. This is a lot of conjecture. I don't know if this is going to happen, but I feel like the Wizards do. If they, th- This team is just not it. It hasn't been it. And them holding on to it at this point makes no sense. Well, I guess so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, those points you made about the playoff money and all that good stuff. I mean, there are legitimate things that they have to think about. So, we'll yeah. see. Okay. We shall see. Yeah, I mean, we will see. I, I honestly, it, it's weird because they've already committed to buying. I mean, they traded for Trevor Ariza. They're willing to deal a young player in Kelly Oubre um, to get him. So, I mean, it seems like they've done everything to um, to keep him. to, to, uh, to uh, Or not to keep, to, to stay competitive. Or, yeah, to keep Bradley Beal because it seems like they're still ready to be competitive. So... We'll see if they actually ever change that in the next year or even next month. Maybe they go on a losing streak and then they change up uh, 
some of their their philosophies, right? Right. Um, okay, so I guess I'll move on to second trade. I feel like these other trades are a lot smaller. <laughs> they definitely do not equal Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal, the ones I these other ones I chose. But um I'll start with the Pelicans magic because you know I I, I feel like with the Pelicans the other route they're gonna go is be competitive and try and make the playoffs. And so if they're going to go all in on their offensive uh, team that doesn't guard anybody and stick to just being just outscoring everyone, they should go after Terrence Ross of the Orlando Magic, who has an expiring contract. Um, I think he makes ten and a half million uh, for the rest of this year, or is what his contract for this year was. Uh, the Pelicans should try and acquire him from from Orlando for Solomon Hill who has an extra year, 13.258 milli is what he's owed for the 2019-20 season, and a lottery-protected 2019 first-round pick. They've been dangling this first-round pick with whatever, and I feel like Solomon Hill is not an NBA player at this point right now. No disrespect. It's all love. Um, so why not go all in? Terrence Ross is shooting 39% from three. He's having probably, I guess you could argue, his best season as a pro. Uh, with Orlando, and the Pelicans, they need some wing help. They their wing depth is pretty bad. I mean, they're playing a six foot four guard really as as their small four, which they did last year. Etwan Moore, who has been serviceable this year, he hasn't been as good as he was last year. Um, but besides that, they're playing Solomon Hill, Darius Miller, Wesley Johnson has played at times. Terrence Ross is a better offensive player than all of those guys. He would. Add a lot in just his ability to shoot those crazy fadeaway threes that he does, it always seems like. Um, and he's a pretty good three-point shooter. I mean, throughout the life of his career, you know, he's an explosive player. Obviously, he had that 50-point game back in the day when he was with Toronto. Um, he's always been an explosive scorer, an athlete, a guy who can run. If the Pelicans want to, you know, speed up the game, they definitely need a wing. And Terrence Ross fits that. For the Magic, they're taking on an extra year of a bad salary. But realistically, I don't think that they were going to be a big player in free agency. Right now, they've been focused on developing their team um, of young guys like Aaron, uh, Aaron Gordon. Obviously, had just signed his contract. Um, but they have Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba. They have a young team. So, Solomon Hill is not really going to play either way. You just take on his contract to get another first-round draft pick and stock up. Uh, because realistically, while they're still in the playoff race, I don't feel like Orlando is going to end up making the playoffs because I think they're the worst of that group of teams from the Hornets, the Pistons, the Wizards, and the Nets, and Miami. So, right. realistically, let's make this trade. Let's let's just let's be sellers at the thing. Because, I mean, you want to get something for Terrence Ross having this really good contract year uh, where he's performing well. So, why not get a lottery-protected first-round pick? So... That's the trade I made. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't mind it. I, uh, what you call it? I, I feel like Orlando definitely should be sellers. Uh, I definitely feel that way. Um, they've just tried. They're just. Uh, I think I said this on my pod. They're just there. They're always there, and it just seems like they're just stuck in the, that same mediocre place that they've always been. So, I'm on board with with uh with sell in and also i do have a magic trade myself believe it or not oh really believe, believe it or not i have a magic trade 
And uh, I have the magic trading uh, Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier to the uh, to the New York Knicks, believe it or not, for Ennis Cantor and Courtney Lee. And the reason why I make this trade is, one, um, I want to get rid of Ennis Cantor. I'm so tired of him. He's just very, he's just very, very irritating and just like, I've just never seen somebody uh, get, I guess his portrayal in the media is very interesting, from complaining about playing time and that being construed by the media as, oh, wow, he really cares about winning. Like, his, if, if, if he really wanted to win, then he has to realize that with him on the court that the Knicks are worse. Like they, they just are. Like no matter what he does offensively, and and whatnot, he's just he's an albatross defensively. And on top of that, he forced his way out of Utah, and it seems like he's wore out his welcome everywhere that he's been. And teams are always trying to get rid of him. So I want to get rid of him. Um, as far as as far as the actual uh, from the Orlando side. Orlando gets Anis Cantor for the remainder of the season. And obviously, Courtney Lee, I don't know what you do with him at this point. I know they have a heavy, you know, they have, they, they already have some, uh, I, you can move Terrence Ross into the starting lineup. And uh, Courtney Lee could come off the bench and just be a, a solid rotation player for the duration of his deal. Um, as far as the Knicks are concerned, um, I look at it this way: Vucevic is another uh, is another expiring contract, and also I don't look at him as a long term. You're probably going to want to play Mitchell Robinson at center for the for a foreseeable future, and you still have Porzingis, so you could let him go. Everett Fournier could be useful at the uh, shooting guard spot. Um, then I would also look into moving Tim Hardaway if possible, and letting uh, Fournier be the be the shooting guard because. I, I look. I look at the the Knicks free agency. It. I don't look at it as something serious at the moment. I don't oh really? Like, no, I don't see that they're gonna get. I don't believe it. You, I, I. You know what? You believe it when you see it. This is that. This is where I'm at with the Knicks. I don't think it's gonna happen with KD, or I don't think it's gonna happen with Kyrie, until it actually happens. Then we can talk about it. Then so, we can have legitimate discussions and conversations about what this team does going forward. The goal always from this season has been let's tank the hell out of the season and see if we can get Zion. And then take it from there. I feel like that should be the plan. And don't go crazy in free agency. That is my one big concern with the Knicks is that they're going to take whatever space they have and if they don't get one of these guys, they're going to make a bad move because that's what the Knicks do. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I feel like I just got to get Cantor off the team because it's just like I, I'm just tired of it. So that's that's my trick to get Cantor <laughs> off the team. And Vucevic, um, I think uh, Orlando should at least um, move on from him uh, from from that standpoint and uh, have Cantor just complain for, like, 30 games for the rest of the season and play Mo Bamba and see what he looks like for the future. 
Interesting. Well, I mean, the Fournier thing, I don't know. I believe in their free agency thing. I mean, everyone, there are a lot of free agents this summer. I mean, not to say KD or Kyrie is going to sign there. I mean, I don't think Kyrie is believing Boston. But I feel like Kevin Durant, I mean, you know, you just don't know. And, I mean, Fournier is signed for two more years. He has a player option in 2021. So, he's going to, it's $17 He's definitely going to take that uh, when it when it comes, he's not going to outperform that, especially with the way the cap is, is shifted um, versus when he signed his deal. Uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, the Fournier thing seems pretty pricey. You reminded me a little bit of Isaiah Thomas with that with that trade, uh, taking on <laughs> the more talented Fournier. I think everybody would say he's the probably more talented than Cornelia at this stage of their careers. But he has, three, he has two more years, whereas Cornelia has one more year past. This up this by the end of this season, so um, I don't know. That's a tough one. But for Orlando, I mean, if it gets them off, if they really want to get rid of Fournier's salary, then that would be good. Uh, you know what you said about Canner made me laugh um, because yeah. <laughs> because you know there is a lot. He has a lot of news around him with his uh, stuff going on in Turkey and his relationship with or his uh, issues with the uh, the government. And sort of some of the problems that have happened from that, that he can't come to the game in uh, in London, London yeah. because he's fearful of being uh, uh, assassinated or killed. And um, yeah, so it's sort of crazy, like just his the story around him and just sort of his complaints. He's always been someone who complains about his minutes. Uh, he was expecting to have an all star season, which I find like laughable because. I mean, it's the exact opposite of the, of being for the team, essentially, because for him, I mean, going into the season, the Knicks were going to be bad. So for him to make the All-Star team, realistically, he would have to put up like 24, 20-something, and, and 12 or 13 rebounds to be a legitimate, you know, candidate. Uh, based on counting stats, you know, people for people to ignore his lack of defensive uh, effectiveness, his ability, like the lack of effect he has on defense, and sort of just how teams generally uh, get outscored or or the defense is worse when he's on the floor. For him, for people to ignore that, and also for fans to recognize him on a bad team, he'd have to really put up crazy counting stats to make the All Star team, and that sounds so anti team essentially because. You're going to be, you know, just shooting a lot and stealing rebounds from your teammates, essentially, and playing a lot of minutes and taking away from a lot of the younger players. So there is sort of a backwardness to sort of just some of the things he says. Um, and and mm. just that it comes off like, oh, I'm for the team, but really it doesn't really make yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm for myself. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> and also, realistically, he's a free agent. This is contract year. Like, he just accepted his player option. He's making, I think he was making 17-something million this year, and he had signed such a big deal with OKC back in the day after they matched the offer sheet from Portland that he, you know, realistically with just how he's played and just sort of how his career has shaped up, um, he's not going to be making, uh, he's not going to sign a four-year $70 million offer uh, or a four-year $70 million contract. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer, like just realistically, he's probably going to get a Brooke Lopez offer, which is like a one year, 
you know, three million, four or five million dollar deal where a team is willing to take a flyer on him and see how it works and go from there. But even though he's a productive player, um, and there is something to say for being productive whenever you're on the court, he always gets a lot of points and rebounds. There is something to yeah. say for that. But like realistically, in today's NBA, if you don't shoot threes or block shots. It's very hard to get a a very long deal that is worth a lot of money. And I think for him, at the time when he signed with Portland, the offer sheet, he was a lot younger. He was 22, I think. And, And so there was a lot of hope for what he could become. At this point, he's 26. He's been in the league for eight years. We sort of know who he is. Like, there's no changing. Um so this is true. So and so, I guess like how you connected uh, the magic trade and how you had a magic trade. I'll connect Ennis Kanter because I had an Ennis Kanter trade. I mean, it's most likely he's going to be traded. I feel like with him not playing much or getting less minutes and being benched for a player like Luke Cornett, um, and also at times Mitchell Robinson, who's injured currently. So he's been benched in favor of a rookie second round pick. And an undrafted player who has played mostly in the G League before the past few weeks. Um, I can understand his frustration with that. Because when you do think about it, he is better than Cornette. But the Knicks are trying to see what they have. And Cornette signed a one-year deal with the Knicks. So realistically, like they need to see what they have in him before they go into free agency with him. And see if they actually really want to keep this guy long term. Because um, he's young and you want to just see what you have. Um, so the trade I thought for, for the Knicks was a three-team trade. Because it really involves all the trade discussions that I've heard over... And you probably have heard over the past month or so. So I yeah. combined the two trade targets that have talked to the Knicks about Canner, Which is the Bulls and the Kings. Uh, the Knicks get Jabari Parker and a 2020 second round pick from the... That is originally owned by the Detroit Pistons, but it's uh, with the Kings right now. Um, the Bulls get Zach Randolph, and the Kings get Ennis Canner. So what I'm thinking here is the Knicks get a second-round pick from the the Kings because Canner is actually like a productive player, and he would come in and actually play minutes off the bench for them behind Willie Cauley-Stein. Right now, I'd say he's an upgrade over Costa Kufis, who cannot make a hook shot to save his life right now. And... Right now, Zach Randolph is not playing. Zach Randolph, has the Kings have said to him, we respect you, whatever, yeah. but they have not played him, and they've chosen to go young and just play guys like Harry uh, Giles. Um, who else? They've played at the four. They've played... Well, they played small and had uh, Justin Jackson and other people play at the four. Alongside Nemanja Bialica has gotten a lot of minutes at the four. So there hasn't really been available playing time for Zach Randolph this year versus last year when he played a lot more when the Kings were playing bigger lineups. So I'd say the Bulls get him. They need help in their locker room. He's an upgrade over Jabari in terms of locker room help. No offense to Jabari Parker. And then the Knicks get a tryout with Jabari Parker and see what he's like. And they get a 20-20 second round pick for their efforts to give a player who's productive, who is playing, for to, for, to get a player who hasn't really played for the Bulls. Jabari Parker only really has played when players are hurt or when Justin Holiday got traded and they were missing players and had no one else available. So he has not really played serious minutes in the past, I'd say, you know, few weeks. 
Right. So to me, a three-team trade, they're all pretty much expiring. Zach Randolph and Ennis Kanter are expiring. Jabari Parker has a team option. I mean, the likelihood of a team picking up that option is, very, uh, especially the Knicks, is very unlikely because of what what the Knicks' aspirations are this summer. So that's my trade. I think that as my third and final trade, it's the most uh, pointless trade. <laughs> it has such a it has so it has no effect on anything. But I feel like you know it's three teams that are trying to keep cap space free for this upcoming summer and trying to not have a long term salary. So then, why not just you know do a little zhuzh for each of them and change something up? Yeah, it's interesting because there's, I feel like there's a lot of placeholders right now in the league because you have a good portion of teams that kind of want to stay in the race. So like if there's any ancillary pieces that they could add, they will add them. But I feel like another just the the bigger portion of the league just kind of wants to stand pat and just wait for the summer to try and uh, see if they can get into the free agency game in some type of way. Not just this upcoming offseason, but next offseason as well. It, You know, it's like, I feel like it's like there's there's a lot of, what's the word? There's a lot of just, I guess, you know, you're waiting around to just kind of just restart the restart the waiting game like a lot of teams are just waiting around to see if they can do something and they're not gonna take on long-term money at all so i i get it in a sense in terms of what you were trying to uh trying to talk about there i have for my final trade um i have it's a it's two centers two centers are being traded now when i think about this these two particular teams i'm talking about the detroit pistons and the memphis grizzlies trading andre drummond for marcus all straight up straight up (laughs) that's a song isn't that uh, travis scott or whatever sorry (laughs) yeah travis scott uh, big sean one of those songs um uh yeah one of the one one of the reasons why i watched detroit and when I watch them, I'm just like, man, they have so much money in three players. And Reggie Jackson is just not good. Blake is just getting, he's just getting up there in not only age, but the amount of money that he's going to be making for that team. Um, it's going to be so much that they're not going to have the flexibility to do anything. And I feel like Andre Drummond is like the most movable piece at this point. And Marcus Law has a player option. So I think for the short term, I think he may actually make Detroit marginally better in some ways with his passing and and some of what he can do. And I think Blake could play off of him in a in a way. And it's not like one of those things where Mark always needs the ball to be effective. Now I know Andre Drummond is like one of those guys that he's you know, he's not He's not going to be good. You're not going to give him millions of post-ups or anything like that. Um, I just find, what was, I think, what was he like? He's four for 27 on threes this year. So he's taking a, he's taking threes and they're just not good. And I just feel like Detroit needs to move on from somebody. And Drummond may make, may be the guy to do that with. And Marcus all with his player option could be out of there. Um, after this season, you don't have to commit to him long term, 
And you could kind of get maybe a cheaper center after the season to put around Blake a cheaper floor spacer to put with Blake that may work better with him. Because he's played with now uh, DeAndre Jordan for a number of years. And Andre Drummond, two guys who, you know, get a lot of rebounds and um, they're not floor spacers, so the paint is always clogged. Um, it'd be nice to see Blake Griffin playing out in space, at least a little bit of space. Marcus Falk could potentially provide that because at least he can shoot. He could shoot competently from outside. And I think for Memphis, I think there is a tricky part with this because depending on how you view Jaron Jackson Jr. as as a as a future type of player. Uh, his best position may be center, but before he gets to that point, um, I think that with his shooting and Andre Drummond on the inside, at least for temporarily, you can have that team together and and quote-unquote compete if they still keep thinking of competing. Now, I personally, if I'm I'm thinking of this trade along the lines of how Memphis thinks and does stuff. If Marcus is like, hey, I want to get out of here. And then I'm like, okay, we can make this type of trade. This trade will make sense. You have a player like Andre Drummond, maybe he has more maybe he has a little more potential, a little more upside, and maybe we could get something out of him for the remainder of his contract. But in terms of of what their future is, if they want to just be like, okay, we just want to be quote-unquote competitive. And I have to say quote-unquote because I don't think they're going to be competitive. And I think they've made a mistake over the past uh, couple of years. They should have sold this team. Um, not actually selling the team, but I mean like the be sellers <laughs> in, terms of their, in terms of who they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and look to build through the draft. I feel like they've made a lot of mistakes in the front office in terms of the things that they've done. So I think if you're looking like long-term, um, if I was if I was realistic, if I was doing the realistic what Memphis should do correctly, I would not do this trade. But under the premise that Memphis is still thinking that we think we can quote unquote compete for something, um, then I would do this trade Marcus Hall for Andre Drummond because I don't think I think there's a good chance Marcus Hall is not back after next season, and also I don't want to pay him anymore if I'm Memphis. So mm-hmm. that that's my uh, reasoning behind it. That's interesting. I mean, I don't think that, like, does Drummond really make them better than Marcus? I wouldn't say, like, that. I, I wouldn't. It'd be tough for me to. I mean, he's well, younger. I think it's the only, I think he's it's younger. The only, I, yeah, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that he makes them better either. I think the only thing I would say is it's the trade that you can make with Gasol um, and get something for him. And maybe you could. You could convince yourself that okay, maybe we can. Maybe there's an upside there that he could find his potential. But then also, and I just thought about it. JB Bickerstaff coaches that team, and he's not good. So like, I don't know. Oh, so you wanted the? Oh, he's not a good coach. Police. Okay. Yes, I am. <laughs> Especially how he doesn't let Jared Jackson play. I know he fouls a lot, but geez, like he gets two fouls, and he's like, I'm not playing him anymore. He's he's bringing him along slowly. No, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's tough. I mean, I think like with the with the Marcus All thing, it's like they have such a deep co- connection, the Grizzlies and him, 
that it's like you know it's just there's like too much there's so much history and mm-hmm. and 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 the whole grain and grind thing is such a unique situation because you know they're a franchise that's not like a, a like has a big history obviously being from Vancouver and they've only been in Memphis since I think 2001 so it's not like they've been there that long but it it's weird cuz it's like you sort of see it like the Lakers or the Celtics which are teams with you know vast histories but they feel like he is forever. Like they want him to retire there. But um, like that's the thing is that are they willing to? I mean, if they keep losing this way, it, to me, it'd be hard to see him wanting to come back when he's a free agent, unless he's like not as good and you know they offer him the most money or something. Is he more concerned with trying to you know be on a competitive team and? And win, and right now, I mean, they they got off to a good start, but they haven't been very good this, you know, this past month. And they just their offense is really just. I think even if Jaron Jackson's on the court, the problem is just that they just don't have a lot of high usage wings who can do make stuff happen on the court. They just rely so much on Conley and Gasol to do everything. And it's starting to show in their age that it's just they can't consistently every game do it and while both guys are really good players i mean at the end of the day neither of them is a top 24 player in the league right now i mean it's just a reality of it neither of them are making all-star teams consistently they're somewhere in the discussion in the top 25 ish 24 i get yeah they're somewhere in the discussion that's not fair for me to say they're not that but like just realistically they're more so you'd say top 30 players and yeah. can you really build a team that is so reliant on guys who aren't even, like, top 10 players? And I think that that's the hard part because you have to have guys who are elite talent. And Conley and Gasol are very good, and maybe at some point they both were elite talent, but and but they're not the same player. They're both over 30, so they're both not going to be the same players that they were four or five years ago. So I think it's tough because there's so much history and they want to hold on to both of them. But if this team just keeps being bad and, like, doesn't grow um, like it should and and maybe getting, you know, a draft pick in in Jaron Jackson Jr. will help that progression where they can ease into lesser roles if they stay on the team. Obviously, Conley's going to be there for a while because he signed that contract pretty recently. I think this is the second year of the deal, so he has three more years. But the Gasol thing is a real legitimate question. It really depends on him, and it's tough to really gauge from him whether he's going to be there long term or what's going to happen when they get to that point. But I guess when they get to that point, they'll get to that point. So it's interesting, yeah, though. Man. I mean, Detroit is also, I think, in in a in a weird way, there are two teams that are sort of similar. They both struggle offensively, and they're relying so much on two players or two or three players to do everything and with the Pistons is Blake and and uh, they're relying on Reggie Jackson to operate a lot and they just have a lot of low usage wings like Reggie Bullock uh, Glenn Robinson the third they have a lot of guys who just their wings who can sort of defend well Reggie Bullock can guard but like yeah. it's guys who are like not complete three and D players but they're three and D players in where they don't do anything with the ball. Like they're not going to drive or make things happen. Like they're just there. And I yeah. think that's the hard part because then it puts so much pressure on Blake to do something 
or on Marcus Saul to do something in Memphis, likewise, and and Conley and Reggie Jackson too. And Reggie Jackson's not that good, but like you know, just he's asked to do a lot, and so it might be better if they had wings who can like actually do things. So <laughs> that's like the hard part with those teams and why their offenses are so bad because like Garrett Temple's a nice player, but. You know, he's not going to drive or, like, make things happen or create for someone else. He's a guy who can knock down a corner three or knock down a three. And, he, you know, same thing with Reggie Bullock and the same thing with, you know, Glenn Robinson or those types of players. They don't really have those, like, guys who give you a little verve to your, like, offensive system. Like, they don't have that. It's just straight up meat and potatoes type of basketball. But, you know, it's like it's it's like they're stuck. Yeah, they're very stuck. I yeah. don't know what Detroit's going to do in the in the future. It's just a uh, just a very a very just uh, a, a situation that just doesn't seem like it has any any a positive conclusion. Yeah, I feel you. Okay, so we talked about our three trades each, right? I think we did three mm-hmm. trades each. So that's six yes, trades. Sure so I know you tweeted out. Uh, that if people had trade ideas, uh, briefly, I guess we could talk about each of them and like whatever and like talk about it. Sure, sure. Um, at Keenan fourteen, Keenan, uh, thanks for sending in sending in a a trade. Uh, James told thanks, us for Keenan. a bag of Doritos past their expiration date. Really though, I'd love to see Kemba traded to a contender, even though I don't think it's gonna happen. Any ideas for him? Um. Well, I know one I always hear is the Pacers, but I feel like they they don't want to pay the luxury tax, and his upcoming free agency is like a big. I don't think they'd want to pay him that, even with how great of a player he is. I don't know where is a place that he could go. What do you think? Um, I have a I I do have a trade. I have the Charlotte Hornets trading Kemba Walker and Frank Kaminsky to the Utah Jazz for Ricky Rubio. And, um, Ricky Rubio is uh, has one year left on his deal. Um, Kemba Walker obviously is a free agency. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, the thing with him is he's going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, Charlotte's been trying to get off of that 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 deal. Um, I think it's a weird it's a weird fit. Um, it, admittedly, it's a weird fit. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Kemba Walker, two guys who really need the ball to be effective. But um, Utah does definitely need more scoring, and Kemba like answers that that question. But the only thing is, with that type of deal, Utah just doesn't seem to me like the type of team that would pay Kemba Walker a five-year, um, whether it's designated player extension or max or however that is. Um, but for Charlotte, wait. So they're just getting Ricky Rubio. They're just getting Ricky Rubio. So they're just saying we're going to lose and we're going to give Kemba for nothing. Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> we're clearance. We're, we're at least... We're at least uh... It sounds like uh, the Theo Ryloff age is when people would just get traded for expiring contracts. <laughs> what happens to yeah. draft pick? No draft pick compensation? Um, I feel like, like Utah would have to give up at least one first rounder. I don't know... I don't know exactly what their future first round situation is, but giving up one first rounder. Um, the Jazz, they own all their picks. They oh, okay. own all their first rounders. 
So they can. All right. So uh, so I'll give up. A, I'll give up uh, an unprotected first rounder. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's something. Yeah, like Kemba, like I thought it, like the Pacers are sort of in a similar situation to Utah with sort of just the roster construction um, and sort of how they are using a two guard to operate and do everything, Oladipo, Donovan Mitchell. There are a little few comparisons I always feel like with their teams and just how elite both of them are defensively um, as just as units. And mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he'd be good. Like, he definitely would help them offensively. They don't have anyone who can create those kind of step-back threes that he makes and those shots at the point guard position. Uh, Darren Collins is more of a mid-range shooter, and Corey Joseph's more of a defensive player who can, you know, make things happen on offense, but is not really a a great three-point shooter. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely places for Kemba. Uh, but it's hard to figure out because who's willing to give him that contract? I think that's the bigger yes. question. Because I feel like, him, do, you yeah. think, is, do you think Charlotte's going to re-sign him or no? I think so. You think they will? Okay. Yeah, I think they will try their best. Like, they will try. I think that they will probably give him the Super Max or whatever Max or LeBron Max or whatever you call it Max. Because I think, like, for them, they have spent so many years to be competitive. And they had the worst record in NBA history, winning winning percentage-wise. They've had some really, really bad years. And for them to just be, like, where they are right now, where they're sort of, like, 500, a little bit below 500, I do think that they like that. And I know it's bad. People don't believe in NBA purgatory, where you're just a middling 500 team and you're getting eliminated in the first round or barely missing the, missing or making the playoffs. Uh, but for them, I mean, he makes them competitive. And I think it'd be hard for them to go, we're just going to either lose him for nothing and just start over. Because they still owe Batum a lot of money and they still owe a few other guys like Marvin Williams. Uh, some money so it's like hard to see them just saying okay we're going to just completely tear it down um, but we'll see what happens I think if they get off they, they finish the year and don't make the playoffs I think it will bring up some questions but I do think if they make the playoffs there's a good chance that they'll say oh they'll convince themselves that okay Kempa like we have a chance and they can always point to things like the positive net rating that they always have, how they don't close games well, and just sort of yeah. how they've lost a lot of close games over the past few years. So I honestly, I, if I'd have to choose, I think that they are going to keep him. Or they're going to try their best, at least. It depends on right. if he wants to stay or whatever. But, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, they've done this for a while now. It's just like... Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets are another one of those "what are we doing here" type of teams. Well, they're there. They're yeah, they're there. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, we we did have one more throwing it out there. I uh, that's Brandon. I know it seems kind of wild and out of the question now, but either Clay Thompson or C.J. McCollum going to the Sixers before the Jimmy Butler trade. I felt the Sixers needed a two that could get his own shot or a spot up off of feeds from Embiid or Simmons. Now, I think this presents a an interesting 
a different conversation, not necessarily for like trading for any of those guys, because I feel like that's unrealistic at this point. But the Jimmy Butler fit with him, you know, arguing with the coach and complaining about his role and all this other stuff and yada yada yada. What is the viability of the of the Sixers uh, now and going forward? I don't know because it's tough with that story coming out. Like, how much of it is a big deal or is it not a big deal? Because I think the report made it seem like a big deal, and the Sixers tried very hard to make it seem like it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always the hard part. Was it disrespectful? I don't know if both parties, you know, Jimmy Butler and the coach, Brett Brown, both say that everything's all good. Then it's hard to really say, like, oh, there's a problem. But I always am a believer that where there is smoke, there is fire. And so... He's clearly not happy with his role in in the sense that he's a pick-and-roll player. They don't play pick-and-roll basketball. And if they don't play pick-and-roll basketball and most of their plays are set up to get Embiid in the post, then he's just more of a weak side help player who shoots threes or spreads the court or is there to cut. And that's while he's open to doing that, I don't think he's open to that being his the main diet of how he plays. Like yeah. I think that he wants to play the way that he wants to play, which how he's played over his career is he's been a pick and roll guy who's allowed to have the ball, A, make decisions for himself or, or for other people and make things happen on the court offensively. Whereas if he's playing in this sort of free flowing offense where guys are cutting, guys are screening for each other and moving off ball and stuff, he probably, it makes him less of a factor in the offense that, in the way that he's been, and so he's uncomfortable in that role. And, and I mean, it's sort of expected when you yes. think about that. Um, but, I mean, realistically, like, it's tough because can you give a contract to a guy who's like that, who complains about everything? Because, I, I mean... It's a news story, and, like, they could downplay it, but it's not like we hear every other star in the league complaining about things, like, all the time. Like, it's literally all the time. Yeah, so if there's always, like, a problem, I don't know if that realistically is, like, do you want to pay someone $30, $40 million a year to be like that? No, I, think what's I, interesting, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> no, neither would I. And I think what's interesting is, like, you don't know where the story actually came from. Because if you think about Jimmy Butler, like, he's already done this one a, a couple of times. Like, you would think that he would, you wouldn't want that being out about you at this point, that you're complaining about something else. But I don't know. It's it's like one of those things where you don't really know for sure. Um, yeah, I, it's, shoot. It's, it, they're in a tough situation for sure, Philadelphia, because... I think before, it was just one of those things where you had Embiid, you had Simmons, and, and like, you wanted... And I think their season last season accelerated their timetable so fast that it was like, we need to do something right now to become a contender. And it makes you wonder, like, whether they rush things a bit in terms of needing to make that trade. Now, I think... What like in terms of, of fit, it hasn't been horrible. I don't think. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been awful. I think they've just lost to, like, if you really think about it, like, not 
you know, obviously they lost to the Wizards last night on the second night of a back-to-back, but most of their main losses have come against the best teams in the league. So, I mean, are they better? I don't think they're better than Milwaukee. I don't think they're better than Toronto. I don't think they're better than Boston. Um, It's unfortunate that they happen to play in a conference where those teams are. They're much better. I mean, it is what it is. Like they're they're probably better teams, and they and all those teams probably fit together more than what uh what Philadelphia does. And I think that's just that's just the current situation that they're in. But I think overall, when you think about like the totality of the whole Philadelphia situation, uh, it's just unfortunate that that maybe Philadelphia felt like they had to rush things after taking such a long time to get two stars. Um, probably considering what the salaries were going to be and uh, not having the same flexibility going forward. So they felt like they needed to get a star now and that sometimes you take a swing and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think it, it still remains to be seen, but I don't know. Like What they do pending what happens this postseason is going to be really interesting because they're going to have to decide we're going to have to we're going to commit to this version of the team for the next 4 to 5 years and it, are those three guys enough to win a championship without you know getting the getting the role players that you need um to to have that and having that lack of flexibility come into play is something that you know they're going to have to deal with yeah, I think the playoffs will be a big factor in like if they keep him, how they compete, how they fit, and everything, and how it works. Yeah, I agree. Word. Well, mm-hmm. I guess you know. I think I mean we covered everything. We covered a lot of teams and players and stuff. Mm-hmm. We sure did. Podcast. So, well, thank you, Anthony, for coming on. This is the first episode of the 2019 NBA Trades podcast. I haven't done one in a hot minute. I think since like yeah, the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. of the the season so um yeah thank you for coming on this is the nba trades podcast you could follow me on twitter nba underscore trades like the page on facebook nba trades yeah nba trades and uh, see this is how long i haven't done it so i'm like forgetting everything um and yeah and also you could follow anthony uh and where can they follow you anthony ac spotlight i five on twitter ac spotlight podcast me and ralph just did um, a good, a good show on the Eastern Conference, the Tom Thibodeau firing, and uh, some some All Star talk. So that'll probably be out before this one comes out. But um, yeah, go check out the AC Spotlight podcast. Okay, it's gonna be out before. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, um, I'll probably beat you to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, yeah. So check it out. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. Whatever. All that good stuff. NBA Trades Podcast. Thank you and peace. Yeah.